0: Hello, listeners. One thing that I know is that thriving in divorce and beyond means not having to worry about the safety of your children when it comes to co-parenting. With alcohol abuse on the rise, many co-parents are turning to the system committed to providing proof, protection, and peace of mind. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. Soberlink's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Pull back the curtain on the mysteries of parenting time and trust the experts in remote alcohol monitoring technology to keep you informed and your kids safe and secure. For an exclusive $50 off your device and to download the resource I created with Soberlink, Divorce and Addiction: A Guide to Move Forward, visit www.soberlink.com/susan. Coming up on today's episode of the
1: Divorce and Beyond podcast.
2: There is a myth that because children are adults, if their parents divorce when they're adults, that they'll just roll with it. You know, they're adults. They've got their own lives going at one level or another. Young adults, middle adults, older adults. And, uh, you know, they'll just deal with it. And aren't you glad that you weren't six years old when, when your parents divorced? Hello, and welcome
0: to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host, and today I have not one, but two very special guests. Joining me, we're going to be talking to both Carol Hughes and Bruce Friedenberg, two friends From California, I I mentioned earlier, I so miss being out in Southern California where you both are. Um, But Bruce and Carol recently released an amazing book. Carol sent me a copy of it a while ago. I'll tell you all about that. But it's called Home Will Never Be the Same Again, A Guide for the Adult Children of Grey Divorce. And I was just mentioning to Carol and Bruce, I just had on Ashley Nicole Russell, one of my friends who is an adult child of divorce. She was not an adult when her parents went through it, but she talks a great deal about the difficulties that her parents' divorce brought, brought into her life, and I think that this is just such an important topic um, for families, for the children, and for professionals to hear, and, uh, and my listeners are all of all of the above. So first, let me just thank you both for taking the time to come on the show and talk about the book.
2: Thanks for having us, Susan. and we're really happy to be here, Susan. We are. Yeah, this is,
0: I, you are both, I, I, to give a little bit of a background so that everybody um, knows, you know, sort of your background on on how, what you bring to the book, is you're both licensed California marriage and family therapists and very lucky to be located in Laguna Hills, one of the most beautiful areas of California. I spent a lot of time there. Um, we have friends who live there and just a beautiful area. And you've both been in practice for, for quite some time as therapists working with families, but you're both mediators, collaborative professionals. You've really been in this world um, helping families through all phases of divorce and um, have brought a particular area of expertise to the forefront um, in helping the adult children of gray divorce with this book, which is something that I think has sort of slipped through the cracks. So again, I'm really thrilled that we're talking about this. Um, and I, I thought a great place to start would be with why why you decided to write this book. You know, Bruce, what what, what brought it to the forefront for the two of you?
1: Well, it's actually a great story. And, and in a large part, it's Carol's story. But I think she likes me to, to tell it because, it, you know, it's her story. And who wouldn't want to hear a great story? <laughs> um Carol, well, we're founders of Collaborative Divorce Solutions in Orange County. And, and one of the attorneys we work with uh, some years ago pointed out to Carol that adult children are major stakeholders in their parents' divorce. And, and people don't recognize that. And, and, you know, it's a legal term, but it, was, it, it really resonated. And then years later, Carol wrote a blog article for our practice group. And it was picked up by a writer from the New York Times uh, a few weeks, a few months later, I guess, who was researching the title, uh, you know, the topic. And so she interviewed Carol and it got published. And because it's the New York Times, it goes everywhere. And some months later, a literary agent for one of the, excuse me, one of the big literary houses in New York saw it. It resonated with her and she called up Carol and asked if she would be willing to write a book about it. And Gerald said yes because she's smart that way. And she said <laughs> yes, yes to opportunities and then she called me up because we've been friends uh, since graduate school and so we've we've known each other for decades and we have a number of unfinished books in our computers that we keep saying well you know let's make it this one let's make it that one never knowing it would be adult children of divorce but this came to us and carol said would you like to do it with me and i said yes never knowing at the time that i was signing on to a four-year journey of uh, research and writing and editing and back and forth. But now the book is out and people tell us they really like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's an amazing topic and it's the book, I, I've read the book um, and it, it's just so well done because it has that depth of both the research side of things but also both of you having been in practice helping people for so long, uh, it has that wealth of of your experience and expertise as to uh, you know leading names in the field. I have to tell you, Carol and I met. Most of my listeners know that I also uh, do trainings with Woody Mostyn. And Carol and I met when she was one of our guest coaches in one of our trainings. And Woody complimented and congratulated Carol on the release of your book. And when Carol mentioned you were talking about what the book was about, instantly for me, bells were going off that I needed to have the two of you on the show. I needed to read the book and we needed to talk about this. And we were just talking a minute ago because about this There's something about the fact that when parents go through a divorce and their children are adults, they're over 18 even, but often it's these days kids are in their 30s and 40s, it's almost like they're just forgotten in the entire mix. Um, And I'm just wondering, you know, why, why is there maybe a lot of attention on younger children when parents divorce, but almost no attention on adult children when their parents divorce?
2: Mm-hmm. That's a really good question, uh, Susan, and we, we wondered the same thing. Uh, and it turns out, of course, that in the industrialized countries, which includes the United States, there is a myth that because children are adults, if their parents divorce when they're adults that they'll just roll with it you know they're adults they've got their own lives going at one level or another young adults middle adults older adults and uh, you know they'll just deal with it and aren't you glad that you weren't 6 years old when when your parents divorced and i think the second reason it, which helps this myth uh, proliferate is that in the legal system as you know because you're an attorney family law attorney uh, the courts don't have jurisdiction over adult children. And so it's very easy for attorneys, family law attorneys to tell their par- the parents, well, your adult children don't matter. And we've had, I don't know how many family law attorneys tell us they've said those exact words to their clients and now feel horrible about it now that they're realizing how much you know pain the adult children can be in too. So those are, I think, two of the, the main reasons.
0: Yeah, I think that's so significant what you just said there about um, in the divorce process itself, especially in the you know more antiquated uh, litigated approach you're you're 100% correct right there's no jurisdiction over what happens with your children who are usually if it, they're over the 18 age of 18 so they're just not a part of the pro- like thinking about them is not not a part of the process we don't have to wonder how they're going to go back and forth between mom and dad's household right. what type of child support's going to be paid Um, But it it extends even further because, you know, one of the things that you talk about um, quite extensively in the book is this prevalence of gray divorce. And it's interesting. I just had Lily Vasilev on, who's one of my colleagues from um, Connecticut, talking about the financial impact for Mm the adults going through gray divorce. Um, and she was talking about the statistics uh, that the incidence of people getting divorced after a long time married, 20, 30 years, or just later in life, is really on the upswing. And I know that you you did a lot of research into why that's happening as well. I'd love to get some of your thoughts behind just that, that upswing.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Well- actually it's a worldwide phenomena in the developing world and we found that different countries have different names for it um into our northern neighbors in, in canada they refer to them as diamond divorces. at least in uh, toronto um the british call them silver splitters um i forget what the australians call them but we think the uh, japanese may have really nailed it with uh retired husband syndrome <laughs> And, ah, and I know
0: exactly what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: yes, you yeah, do. Lots of people say. Oh. And, but the, and so there's a lot of things that come into it. Num- number one, I believe, is that people are, if not living longer, living longer healthy. So more, <laughs> more active years ahead. So some couples weren't that great a match in the first place. Uh, you know, the decisions we make at 18, 19, 20, 21 may not be what we would have decided at 50 but they had kids and they were building careers and they're just doing what people do at that time in life. And, and maybe didn't notice that or care that they were building parallel lives or other times people started off with, uh, you know, good, uh, good relationship. But again, they got caught up in the business of, of family life without nurturing the relationship. And, and after 25 years, 30 years, who knows, they're, they're looking, the kids are gone um, they're either retiring or they're, they're they're just looking at their partner and thinking, I, I don't really know this person very well, or maybe I don't even like them, or maybe I can't tolerate them depending on what's been going on. And I've got another 30 or 40 years left, and, and, and I don't want to spend my life in, in a sentence. You know, it's not an endurance race. And then there's the fact that since the late 60s and uh, into the 70s, the second wave of feminism, women started getting more, you know, not just employed but in professions and moving up and you know going from not being able to have their own credit counted in the early 70s right.
0: to couldn't get our own, own credit cards
1: right. yes right and so they're not dependent on their husband the way for economically the way previous generations may have been. In fact, some are, are a bit bigger earners than their husbands. So they're not constrained by that. And then there's been a shift in the public acceptance of divorce. In uh, 2001, 45% of Americans felt divorce was a morally acceptable choice. But by 2014, it had risen to 69%, and, and possibly. Uh, even higher than that now is what we're thinking. So the stigma has been taken away from for a lot of people. And then because so much weight is put on a marital relationship other than just being a good breadwinner or a good mother or parent, or, you know, till death do us part, I'll just hang in there no matter what, people are valuing happiness and fulfillment in their life. And especially if they got 20 or 30 or 40 years of life left they don't want it to be a prison sentence so we think all those things in in you know together have been the source of this mm-hmm. oh the numbers are amazing too about three, just in the united states over 300,000 couples in this demographic couple divorce every year. So that's 600,000 people. And they have on average one to two children. So between 900,000 and 1.2 million people enter this demographic in the United States every year. And because it's an unserved population, it's most likely the ones who were hurting last year and the year before are still hurting. And the ones who are hurting this year will be hurting next year.
0: Right. You know, it's first I have to get that Japanese name for the the retired husband syndrome, because the minute you said it, it brought to mind for me, it was actually one of my very first gray divorces as a practicing uh, litigator, a practicing attorney. And it was a couple who'd been married for 43 years. And he had a job where he worked day shift and she had a job where she worked the night shift. And that went on pretty much for 25, 30 years of their marriage. And then he retired, and they were in the house together. And within six months, they were getting a divorce. Um, they found that they really had gone through a life um, together and, but didn't really much like to be together. And I think that was a mutual decision. But significantly for this interview and for your book— they had three adult children and these are all, I mean, these people had been married 43 years. These were adult children, 30, 35, 40 years old. They got pulled into that divorce tragically. It was a very difficult process. It came up to almost the trial door and what stopped the trial in this case. And I remember this so significantly um, and very, you know, this was earlier days in my career Um one of the adult children showed up to testify in court uh, the day of the hearing of the final trial, and my client said, "I'm not, I'm not doing that." I, you know, he he changed uh, some of the things that he was willing to put on the table, but it was devastating for every single member of that family. For me, I felt horrible, it was just a horrible experience. And that's so much of what you're writing about and what you're talking about and, and how that shouldn't be a part of, of this process. But I think that, you know, people just don't even, or they overlook the fact that their, their adult children are even going to be impacted. It was a complete and utter shock
2: to my client
0: when his son walked into that courthouse. And, you know, how does, is it that the parents later in life are just not
2: able to see how much their divorce is impacting their adult children? Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that's true. And as we talked about earlier, it's easy to compartmentalize and think, well, your adult children are adults and they're just going to roll with this. As opposed to minor children, they're believed that they didn't get divorced, you know, when their children were, were minor children. And what parent really doesn't want to think that their children are okay? And so it's kind of seductive that way for them to think that. Uh, but when you really think about it, I, I, and you're probably the same, Susan, I've never, and very, very few times can I say never in my field, I've never met an adult who's going through divorce, who didn't have some painful experiences and feelings, even if they were the one initiating the divorce, they wanted the divorce, they thought they'd be happier, they're still grieving, sadness, anger, fear, worry, frustration, there's so many negative feelings. And so why would parents think that their adult children aren't having some of these feelings and experiences too? It really is kind of shocking, but yet understandable Uh, how they could
0: be thinking that. Yeah, I I think there's almost something, you know, so many people say they're going to stay together for the kids until the kids are adults. For Mm -hmm. some reason, graduation from high school for so many parents seems to be that threshold line. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) now they're adults and now it's okay for us to get divorced. And, you know, every adult, I I have uh, so many, I I personally am not a a child of divorce, but I have many, many friends, and I've obviously, over 30-plus years of being a divorce attorney, been through the experience and talked to many um, adult children of divorce, and I don't know a single one of them who has not carried the impact of that divorce in some way. Yes. Um, forward from the time of the divorce. But the other thing that we see, and we talk about this so much with younger children, how they can be parentified during the um, divorce process to take care of their parents or take care of the grieving, the parent who's having more difficulty. And I actually, in the, the cases where the children are adults, I actually see that much more significantly yes. because they are adults. Yes.
2: Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. It's very common and it really is quite uh, unfair to the adult children uh, because they they do have their lives to live. There may be at different stages, you know, young adults are just in college or doing some professional training, some kind of training. Maybe they're working. Sometimes they're more dependent on their uh, parents financially than some of the more mature, shall I say, adult children. And off, often they have to drop out of their schooling or their training uh, because the parents can't help them any longer, which is not uncommon. Then the middle-aged adult children often have their own families going, their careers going, and they're feeling what we call in that sandwich generation where they're worrying about their, their parents who are older, maybe infirm, maybe uh, naively vulnerable to con people or you know grifters trying to take their money Uh, and so they're trying to live their lives and then worrying and being involved in their parents lives and then the oldest adult children are even older of course we have a colleague who told us a month or so ago that she had a 92 year old man who came into her office to talk about filing for divorce but he was worried how it would affect his 60 something year old children so good for him that at least he thought of that and so you can imagine those oldest adult children uh, are even more concerned about their aging parents the research the little bit that's been done on adult children of gray divorce is uh, studies 18 year olds up to 50 year olds that's the, the population so far that's been studied and they report exactly what you were saying you know your experience was Susan. No, I'm not happy I wasn't six years old. You know, could I pick that? Well, I can't now, but I've been on the planet longer than a six-year-old. I've got much more involved and invested in my family of origin, you know, holidays together, celebrations, whatever, looking forward maybe to go back to the family home, take my children where I grew up, all these things. Not saying that it doesn't hurt minor children, of course, but let's think about all the losses that, and all the nevers that adult children are facing. It's really significant.
0: You know, there's, it makes me wonder too, is there an element for adult children where their history somewhat gets rewritten as well? And because now the maybe happy childhood that they thought they had, does not bring into question for them some emotional or um, just challenge their memories of their childhood.
1: Sure. It, it's pretty natural that people look back on events in their life that now have a different meaning to them. Uh, we've heard people say, was it all smoke and mirrors? Mm-hmm. Or uh, am I going to be just like my dad, or just like my mom? And I, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And am I going to mess up my marriage or maybe I'm not even suited to have a marriage? Maybe I should never have one. And as Carol went through the different stages of development and and all the nevers that people have to deal with, never going to see my parents in the same room again, or I've got kids and these are their grandparents. And and how do I explain to them that, you know, grandma and grandpa don't love each other anymore? And, And how do I explain it to myself? And or when um, a parent starts to make their adult child their confidant and wants to share their sexual disappointments or their financial resentments or, or looking for an ally against the other parent And then these loyalty issues show up and then, you know, it just starts to tear people apart. And one of the things we advise parents of adult children is to. Be proactive. Go talk to your own siblings, who are the aunts and uncles, and maybe grandparents of your adult children, and tell them that you don't want your children forced into these bash the other parent conversations. You don't want them to take up sides, and and we we counsel them. It's the idea they have to respect those those boundaries. That the relationship that the parents have with each other is a different relationship than the children have with their own, and they can look at their own lives and see that. So. Children are allowed to have their own relationship with each parent Um, and and other people, you know, they don't have the right to tell them who not to talk to. And then if the siblings choose up different sides, um, you know, that starts creating problems because then they get labeled as a traitor. And these wounds are really hard to heal and so as they go back and rewrite their own life or her or just look at their own identity how it's been in this family and and you know I didn't know dad was dating a secretary all these years or mom you know with her you know maybe her gym coach or maybe her boss who know or maybe she's the boss and and her, and her you know one of her, her underlings and right. just all these questions come up and and you know, it's, not too surprising, they're all really disturbing and some people cope with it by just withdrawing. And it affects their own, their own new family because if, if someone can't show up at the grandkids' uh, birthdays or somebody's graduation or a wedding without making it all about their pain, or if they're taking too many resources away from the family, the, the other spouse, who's, it's not their parents divorcing, it's their, their husband or wife's parents. And they may say, I'm not gonna put my kids through this anymore. They're just not gonna see the grandkids. And so these just become dominoes if people don't learn to, to, to not do these things.
0: Hello, Divorce and Beyond Family. Susan here, and I'm excited to announce the launch of a brand new resource page on the website for you. I always say that you need to educate yourself when you're going through divorce because knowledge truly is power. And I think reading is one of the best ways that you can gain that knowledge. So I've compiled a list of my recommended books and reading on all topics related to divorce. We've got finance, parenting, emotional regulation, healing, and a lot more. So check it out on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com backslash beyond reading.
1: Stay tuned for more from Susan and her guests, therapists and authors, Carol Hughes and Bruce Fredenberg, discussing the sometimes devastating effects of gray divorce on adult children. It becomes a pacing issue with the couple. One's already three quarters away around the track, ready to take the blue ribbon, and the other one hasn't even put the track shoes on yet because they didn't know there was a race. So we have to teach the one who's ahead to slow down so the other one can catch up. And and as they move through that pain cycle, they're typically better able to acknowledge their role. in, even if it was just choosing that other person, that's still a responsibility. If you are enjoying this episode, check out Do Not Hesitate to Collaborate, Getting Divorced Without Setting Foot in Court with leading collaborative attorney Ashley Nicole Russell.
0: You know, I had a pretty normal childhood to start with. I am from a really small town. And then my parents' divorce really affected them in a in a massive way. And I was pretty young. I was seven. And so Um, And that lasted through every graduation, every hallmark event of my life. Their pain and animosity and anger towards each other was palpable at every step of the way.
1: And now we return to today's show.
0: I think that's so interesting that you mention the peripheral family members in this conversation as well, right? Because it's not just what mom and dad or mom and mom and dad and dad say to their adult children. The entire family system sort of comes in with their their own layers of this information. Um, And I think people have less discretion when speaking to adult children whose parents are going through divorce right they're like oh you're grown ups we can be a little more real with you than we would be with your 6 year old self yeah. um so we can talk about the fact that dad was having an affair with the secretary or mom was messing around with with someone who worked for her um And family members lose a lot, or or just people in general, right? The society tends to lose a little of the filter that we might Mm -hmm. have with a younger child. And it's interesting, though, because there's also a flip side to that. And I'd love to get your take on this. I just had a guest on recently who was talking about the fact that she had an older child who came to her um, and said, who was just old enough to know that if mom and dad's marriage is breaking down right now, somebody did something and I want to know what it is. And she's, and so the child actually said to her mother, one of you cheated on the other one. I know that happened. So just tell me so I know. And the parent in that moment in time did not know what, you know, the popular wisdom is your children don't need to know the adult issues. But now you're talking to an adult. What do you tell your adult when they ask you bluntly what's going on?
2: I think it's important to educate uh, our adult children, and just because it's no different, frankly, than what when minor children ask a question. Uh, Every question that's asked doesn't deserve the answer that the young person is thinking they're going to get. So we know this working in our field, uh, in the field of marriage and family work, is that typically, and there are some exceptions, but typically when couples go into the divorce process, they both have some contribution to that situation. And often an affair is emblematic of the issues in the in the marriage, as you were describing that couple uh, <laughs> who had been married 43 years. You know, they were passing ships in the night so to speak never literally yeah literally (laughs) never seeing each other and there are all kinds of reasons you know that people get to that point the person who pulls the plug so to speak and files for divorce in the united states is overwhelmingly the wife the woman Uh, but that doesn't mean that that the husband didn't contribute you know, to the problem or same sex, you know, can be the same issue, same sex couples. So that would be my answer. And if she were my client, I would tell her or him to educate the adult child. And I would also educate them to educate the adult child that we humans are wired to find fault, to categorize, which is finding fault is part of categorizing, good parent, bad parent. It's part of our DNA from, you know, cavemen times and cave women times. And so uh, that's a natural like a knee-jerk reaction, but it isn't information that they definitely need because it's from the spousal relationship, not the parent-child relationship. And it can damage the parent-child relationship for a while or forever.
1: Also, typically, it's hard to educate the parent into being able to take that position that I have some responsibility for this Mm -hmm. if they're feeling like they're getting left. Because typically what what we find is that when until somebody actually pulls the trigger on a divorce, probably both of them are unhappy, but they each have a choice whether to divorce or not to divorce and the person who decides to divorce usually in in my experience doesn't give the other person a heads up you know two months from now i'm filing for divorce they do research they find out how it's going to be where's the safe landing get my ducks in a row and then the other person finds out they're getting divorced and but the, the one who was planning the divorce still kept things intact enough so that there's a lot of family things that need both of you together to, to manage and take care of. And they had that, and now they're ready to go. And the other person feels like someone holding a phone wire that got ripped out and, you know, but, but, but why? You know, and, and it's hard for them to accept their own responsibility. And it, it becomes a pacing issue with the couple. One's already three quarters away around the track ready to take the blue ribbon and the other one hasn't even put the track shoes on yet because they didn't know there was a race so we have to teach the one who's ahead to slow down so the other one can catch up And, and as they move through that pain cycle they're typically better able to acknowledge their role in even if it was just choosing that other person that's still a responsibility but it can also be what they didn't do to nurture the relationship or you know why did they wait so long sometimes when And we prefer to help people save relationships. We're not advocating divorce. And we have a firewall between our two practices. We we don't turn our relationship couples into divorce couples that are going to divorce. They go somewhere else. But Mm -hmm. you know, once somebody's made that decision, there's just so many things that have to be taken into account so that they can take some responsibility for what they did.
0: That is it's such a great point. And and that is, you know, I talk about that disparity in where people are in the process, because it's such 90 percent of cases, it's not been a joint discussion Mm -hmm. over a period of time to get to the point of deciding to have a divorce. It is usually exactly what you described, Bruce. One of the the couple moving along the continuum, doing the research, making the plans. And the other one, I love the analogy of hasn't even put on the track shoes yet. Um, And so I am always advising people, whether they are the asking for a divorce party or the being told we're getting a divorce party, both sides sort of need to, I, I call it the grace of space. The first thing you do in a divorce is nothing (laughs) or or get help, speak to a therapist, find a coach to help you, start educating yourself on the different ways to move through divorce, the different mediation, collaborative, et cetera. But do not just immediately launch into or drag your your partner into that divorce process because everyone deserves that chance to, to get up to speed but including your children. Right. Um, and, you know, one of the things I will, I will say, but going back to that family, that first-grade divorce I represented, you know, the, the kids were put in an, a rather impossible, the adult kids, but they were put in a rather impossible situation. And the relationship between my client, who was the father, and the adult child who showed up to testify for mom, That relationship was never repaired, but it it really fractured that entire family. That one moment in time of walking into that courthouse prepared to do that fractured that family forever. And then consequently, every divorce that I was involved in with, with adult children, there was some effort on the part of the parents to polarize the children, to to take, they wanted those children to take a side. It almost mattered more because the kids were adults. And, you know, so how do adult children, what advice do you have for them to walk that tightrope? How can they avoid that pressure?
2: Right, that's a very good question. And part of that, again, is education, educating them about what we're talking about, which is why I originally wrote the first blog article and wrote many after that, that adult children say they feel invisible or they're pulled into, uh, you know, as you were just saying, trying to uh, aligning with one parent against the other which damages their relationship with that other parent. Sometimes their siblings, because then the siblings line up you know, for battle zones, so to speak, battle lines. And so they need to understand, the adult children do, that they have a, a, a human right. Now, there's no legal right, but they have a human right to have a relationship with both parents. They're, they're their parents forever. Family relationships are forever and they're primal. The research in our field shows that the attachment bonds from when we're first born and we're with our parents our caregiver parents or other caregivers but we're talking about parents right now is for the lifetime from cradle to the grave and what a loss to have to lose one of those relationships and so they need to understand that they can set boundaries They can say, I love you to the parent that's trying to pull them in. Uh, I'll help you find some professionals. I'm not a professional. I'll help you find some professionals who are much better equipped than I am to help you through this time uh, because I love both of my parents. This is a hard thing for adult children to say when they see the one parent hurting more, quote, or being, quote, victimized, feeling like a victim, the one that's been left. Usually it's that one. But it's the healthiest thing for the adult children to do and to say. And it's also the healthiest thing for their parent who's trying to pull them in because that parent needs a a better support system than their adult child. They need someone like you and Bruce and me or a clergy person to help them understand, you know, yeah, what is their part in this? Maybe they were just so passive or whatever, you know, a thousand other reasons. And so when adult children understand this, it's easier for them to set those boundaries. Uh, The other thing that we all really encourage parents to do, and it, takes a while as they're going through this divorce process is if they can choose a process like mediation or collaborative divorce that is family focused it's family relationship focused because divorce doesn't happen in a vacuum it's never a neutral event for anyone it touches and again that's very rarely can i say never but even if these parents argued all the time and the adult children are happy they're gonna be going their separate ways, it's not a neutral event for them because it's still the loss of their intact family and the hope and dreams that the parents could ever really heal and get along and be in the same room and all that that you know. So all of that is really important for adult children to understand and for the parents to understand. And
1: Susan, the the way we structured the book, First, we had to outline the problem because, as we talked about earlier, most people don't even think of it as a problem, you know. And then mm-hmm. after that, we, we decided also we didn't want it to just be a list of problems throughout the book and because and people need help with this. So in every chapter, we also weaved uh, strategies and tips to help people cope or what they could do in certain situations. And then we, we illustrated, you know, some of those experiences. And then we have a whole chapter on hope and healing. With, with different things people can do that are helpful. And we talk about communication. Communication is really complicated. It's, it's actually the, probably the most complicated things our brain does because it, it's not only a, um, a mental exercise, but it's coordinating physical activity of, of the tongue and the mouth and the breathing and getting it just right. And, and then there's all these cultural factors and men and women are raised in different worlds and people come from different families. And so we talk about all these different obstacles to communication communication that's usually deteriorated by the time people are getting a divorce. And we even had a guest uh, writer do a chapter for us, Sharon uh, Ellison, who teaches non-defensive communication. And, it, and it's we really felt those were important things to have tools for people to be able to do something else besides be aware of the program. So that that was a lot of our thinking. and And one of the things Carol likes to talk about is having people decide on their own divorce story, you know, like, you know, that doesn't have heroes and villains. It's, you know, we were together at one time, we loved each other, you know, things happen through through life, we're not blaming each other, we don't want other people to take sides because about 50% of adult children report being pretty uh, disrupted by their parents' divorce and only some of them come back and reconnect with the parents. And so if people understood that that's what's at stake, that's what's going to come out of the divorce and what's going to affect most people is what to happen to my relationships with the people I care about going forward. And, and we were helping, uh, hoping to help prevent some of the worst mistakes.
0: Well, and that's I think that's why your book is so impactful. And I do want to point out it's written with those tips and insights from all different perspectives. There's advice, tips, insights for parents. There's advice, tips, and insights for the adult children. And there's actually guidance for other professionals who are helping those family members through this. So it really, the book is so beautifully put together that your, your audience is as broad as it possibly can be. And anyone who's in one of those categories is going to benefit by being able to access the information that's in the book, which I think is incredibly helpful. I was Googling on Amazon looking for another book or other resources out there that that actually address all three categories, uh, and there isn't anything. I mean, you you guys, you created it. Bravo to both of you. And I think you're going to, you know, this is something that isn't a... drop in time that right now gray divorce is happening and then this is not going to be an issue. Gray divorce, for all the reasons that you talked about, is going to continue to be a significant preponderance of our our divorcing population. And it's so important to realize that that is, as you just said, it's a systemic divorce. It's a family system disruption. And it's in many ways more disruptive than a six-year family that's being disrupted Mm -hmm. early with a divorce after being married six years with a five-year-old or a four-year-old. A family that has been intact for 30 years, uh, the the ripples of that destruction just will go out. No, I shouldn't say destruction. The ripples of that the impact of that divorce can be much further reaching and, um, for everyone in that family. So I, I appreciate that you wrote the book. I really am grateful that you came on uh, to talk about it. And Carol, you mentioned that um, you would uh, gift five of my listeners mm-hmm. with um, a copy of the book, which is so incredibly generous. Thank you. Um, maybe you could tell us how, how they would access or how they might be able to be one of the lucky winners.
2: Yes, uh, if they want to email me at all lowercase, no punctuation, Hughes at me.com. So that's D-R-C-A-R-O-L-H-U-G-H-E-S at me, like Mary dot com. Uh, we will send them uh, a code. Uh, with, we have an agreement with Audible, which is the audiobooks. And uh, we will send them a code and they can listen to the book. It's read by a professional um, actor. And uh, that way they can listen to it in their car or when they're gardening or wh- however they want to do it. Just like a podcast. Just like so, a podcast. Yes.
0: <laughs> it's perfect. Well, that is, I'm going to put all of that information in the show notes. I also want to mention to listeners, the book is available on Amazon. Um, I, it's also I, uh, one of the recommended books on the Divorce and Beyond podcast website. So if you go to the website, it's, it's right there at the top of the list. Um, there'll be links to the book um, and both Carol and Bruce's websites and um, additional information about both of you. But if you both like to just let people know how they can get in touch with you if they're listening. Right now. Sure, sure.
2: So, as Bruce said, we have a firewall between our different uh, types of work that we do. My therapy website is dr.carolhughes.com, www. And my divorce website is called divorcepeacemaking.com. Love that name. Thanks.
1: <laughs> and and my, ther- my therapy site is on Psychology Today under Bruce R. fredenberg lmft bruce star fredenberg lmft and my divorce site is orangecountydivorcecoach.com and carol and i can both be found on the websites of collaborative divorce solutions orange county cdsoc and if somebody went to that cdsoc.com and clicked on find a professional, you'll find more about our profiles. And also for the International Academy of Collaborative Professionals, we're both listed on their site too.
0: Wonderful, well, and I, I hope I'll be seeing you both in October at the IACP forums in uh, San Diego. I'm very excited to get back to Southern California. And um, I will put, again, all of that contact information, both Carol and Bruce's bios and all of the information and links for the book um, in the show notes. And I just I thank you both for a, you. You mentioned four year journey in writing this book. Um, and, and it shows because the book is full of research and Um, a great depth of knowledge and expertise. And I know that you're you have, and you will continue to be helping many, many families uh, with this book. And so I appreciate that truly um, on behalf of my listeners. Thank you.
1: Thank thank you. you for your kind words.
0: Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com, where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.